we can become great at doing the the things that we do well, the things that are, we focus on. Like I'm, I think our audience is great at selling liberty. I think we have yeah. been amazing at doing that. Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. As a sales and marketing executive in the greater telecommunications cybersecurity industry, Brian works with C-level executives to help them future-proof their company's infrastructure for an uncertain future. And in each episode, Brian takes that experience and applies it to the liberty movement. You start to ask questions that pique his interest and get him to feel like, okay, this guy's actually got something that maybe can help me out. And then in your asking of questions and trying to uncover the real problems, build that natural trust. I know I went in the monologue there, man. (laughs) Instead of focusing on simply winning arguments or being right, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and their application in the world of politics, showing you how to ask better questions, tell better stories, and ultimately change people's minds. And now, your host, Brian Nichols. Well, happy Monday there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. And thank you for joining us on, yes, another fun-filled Monday episode. And before we get started, of course, I am your humble host. Now, spoiler alert, we did not have an episode yesterday on Sunday. However, we did have a great solo episode, Olivia Rondo. She took on the blue checks back on Saturday in a solo short. So if you missed that, make sure you head back to Saturday's episode. But today, we're having a little bit different of a sales and marketing conversation Instead of talking to Jeremy Todd or Chris Goizetta, today we're talking to one Anthony Welty. Now, Anthony is currently on his Be Free Tour, but we dig into a lot of sales and marketing nitty-gritty. And going from the sales point, you're going to hear a lot of reoccurring things, uh, themes, or that is, uh, things we've talked about here in the program, empathy, trust, understanding, overcoming the status quo, a bunch of reoccurring themes you're going to hear on today's episode. So, with that being said, strap in, folks. On to the show. Anthony Welty here on The Brian Nichols Show. What's up, man? Thanks for having me on. I've been looking forward to this for a few months now. As have I, Anthony, because, candidly, you are one of the shining beacons of positivity that we need to have in the greater liberty movement. I fundamentally believe good people bring out the good in people. So, let's bring more good people into the greater liberty movement. You're on a mission right now, driving all the way across the United States. Good luck with all the uh, discussion of possibly shutting down borders, Anthony. But before we get there, right, let's dig into (laughs) who you are, right? Let's introduce yourself to the Brian Nichols Show audience. What got you into liberty politics to the point that you're going to drive across the entire United States, starting from one coast to the other, and thus far you're in Montana? Well, you know, like so many of you, I got tired of getting pushed around, right? I get tired of the the bad policies kind of poking me in the chest, you know, affecting my life, affecting my family, you know, affecting uh, people around me. Um, but uh, unlike many, I didn't come into the libertarian movement through Ron Paul. I actually came in via Obama. Uh, he turned me libertarian as a former, uh, you know, Seattleite Obama, you know, Democrat voter. Um, his... Uh, Lack of follow through with uh, whistleblowers and Assange and Snowden and stuff, such uh, really turned me off. Um, and then Obamacare. I was an insurance agent at the time, and uh, I just I knew Obamacare was such a cozy deal for the insurance companies. It was one of the first things that really woke me up uh, <laughs> to free markets and things of that nature. So you know that path brought me into the Liberty Movement, the Libertarian Party, and since then I've just been learning and also. Um, having things unveiled to me, right? Seeing the, the the way things work and how harmful these policies are. Um, and now I believe in unabashed, complete liberty for all as the only peaceful 
form of non-governance uh, on Earth, right? It's the only way where we can actually peacefully coexist, in my opinion. Um, you know, and our libertarian principles um, allow for that. So I'm happy to be a libertarian. I'm working, uh, you know, every single day to not only grow the, the libertarian party, but really trying to create people on the streets that want liberty for others, that want it not just for themselves, but for their neighbors and their community. Uh, because I believe that's where the tipping point is, the cultural tipping point in, in, you know, actually seeing liberty in our lifetime is creating people that want liberty for others. Yeah. And I, so I'm actually fascinated. I'm so glad you, you said this is that traditionally we have people in the show and you say, how did you become a libertarian? Well, you know, Ron Paul, Harry Brown, <laughs> Rand Paul, you go through the list. Yeah, even some Gary Johnson's, I will throw that in there. But rarely, uh, actually, that's not true. Maybe not rarely, but maybe not as focused upon have we heard Obama. And it's not because he did good things on his side, but rather because he didn't follow through. And I got to say, Anthony, it gives me a little bit of hope because we're seeing right now. And let's start you know, with the conversation just We'll set for posterity's sake. We're recording here on September 16th, and we're in the middle of 2021 of the, the COVID endemic. We're, we're, we're out of the pandemic phase at this point. We are now kind of into this flu-like world, um, and you're seeing more and more people starting to, I think, ask more questions because they're starting to get pissed. They're starting to see that, well, I was told, and I'll, I'll tell you right now, I have at least, right, top of my head, five to 10 people, I know in my immediate circle, who they got the vaccine, they've been wearing masks, they've been doing all the things that they were told to do because they were waiting for their cookie. And they haven't gotten their cookie yet. And <laughs> those people are starting to say, what's up? I'm getting pissed. What are we doing? To the point, I'm hearing people who never would have considered leaving the Northeast now actively shopping for houses in states like Indiana. So I say all that because the fact that Obama pushed you, uh, uh, you know, you said Northwest, Washington, Portland, hippie, right? To go and say, you know what? I'm going to support these guys who are the polar opposite. Get rid of the state. Let's go ahead and empower your average person. That excites me knowing that that is what got you there. And we, we can see there's starting to be a little bit of a push. People who are starting to say that they're fed up. So you're going around the United States, Anthony, and you're, you're talking to your average person. What's that conversation you're hearing? Are, are, are people getting fed up and are they looking for some new solutions? Yeah, they, they absolutely are. And it's in droves. I mean, it's literally by the bucket full. I mean, I, I've been essentially traveling full time for over two years now, um, both as a candidate in the state of Washington uh, cross country with Spike Cohen, the VP candidate for the Libertarian Party, uh, on the bus tour with him. And then now, uh, for about the last, what is it? I don't know, nine months or so, actually a year or so up and down the West Coast, uh, myself, you know, just ind independently. And everywhere I go, there are people that are so fed up with things that they've, they're skipping the transition from, uh, you know, Republican or Democrat to Libertarian. And they're, go many of them are going straight anarchists. They're like, I'm done. Um, I'm never trusting any government again, um, you know, because a lot of people aren't truly Republican or Democratic. They're 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 centrist moderates. They're they're people that you know kind of want to be left alone, kind of like some government. Um, and then when this happens, and they they just literally get waterboarded by gutter government for the last year and a half. Um, so many of them are open to the libertarian message of free markets and 
and not um, little tinkers here or there. Not like, well, we could do this or we could do that and make things a little bit better, <laughs> yeah. but rather we should abolish the CDC and the public health department. We should abolish departments of labor and industry in Washington so that people can be free. And, um, you know, that was a slogan, be free, that I picked for my campaign way back in 2017. And now through the last year and a half, it, it's been become more of a mantra than anything. But it's one that people can relate to um, because for the first time in their life, they are feeling the boot of government on their neck, on their back. Um, whereas maybe before um, it was little and unnoticeable and palatable. So, you know, what I like to do now is speak boldly about these libertarian principles, the abolishment and end of things, because people are ready and willing to hear it. Um, be, for, and, and that's important for two reasons. Um, we have to take advantage of this opportunity to give them something that no other politician has, right? Democrats and Republicans get elected because they give the voters things. What we're doing is we're giving them permission to be free. And that's empowering. And while doing that, we have to also focus on solutions and helping expose, you know, individual issues. You know, as I was campaigning for insurance commissioner through COVID, I'd already been talking about con laws, certificate of need laws, and how it reduces supply um, for, for care, right? And how that drives up cost. And then Willie, you know, willy nilly here, the government stops allowing elective surgeries, um, hospitals are overflowing, quote unquote. And I had an opportunity to really draw the, the, the line and the parallel and say, see, look, if we hadn't let these corporations and the hospital boards and government collude with one another in a true medical fascism type of a system, um, we would have more hospitals. We would have more um, organic care in the sense that we would things would be more fluid and less rigid. You know, there'd be less boxes to check and more ability to have doctors just do doctor things and take care of folks instead of worrying about, um, you know, which <laughs> which rule is going to come down that dictates what their standard of care is. <laughs> so people are ready for this. Um, it's working. Um and it's really empowering to me as an activist to, to really see the fruit of some of the labor that so many people put into this movement for years. It's it's exhausting because we do a lot, a lot of labor and it doesn't seem we get a lot of reward. But thankfully, it's starting to change. And I think let's go back to a part you raised up here. And this is something we should start focusing on, right? Your average person is likely in that centrist moderate. And it I think it, to your point, it goes back to the they just want to be left alone, right? The don't hurt me. Don't take my stuff. I like it. But then they have also kind of been conditioned to view a lot of government stuff across the board as normal. And if it's normal, I, as a sales guy, I say, ha, you mean status quo. It's become it's become the, the, the standard almost. So how do we disrupt the status quo? Well, first, it starts figuring you get to go in knowing what's the problem. What 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 issues are they likely seeing? that I know people like them are currently seeing. So if we're talking to that centrist moderate, I, I can't think of a, a better thing to focus on right now than the, the healthcare, the, the lockdowns, the impact from an educational standpoint. I mean, folks, like here, we'll take a, a timeout. I'll talk to the audience for a second. Go look at the past month, two months of shows. You'll see a reoccurring theme, lockdowns, healthcare, education. There's a reason for it. Oh yeah. In sales and marketing, of course, but there's a reason for it because these are top of mind issues. And if we're just going to be sitting here talking about God knows what, you know, 
we have our libertarian pet peeves we all care about, right? You know, whatever it may be, if you want to go talk about monetary policy, by all means, go for it. I've had a gentleman on the show who we dug into the rule of monetary policy and it was phenomenal. But if we're only going to talk about the niche things to the niche group of people, we're excluding an entire bell curve of people who are open and empathetic, not just to our message, but also to the solutions we will bring to the, the table right now to the problems they see. And it's it's marrying those two worlds together. It's the Clark Griswold grabbing the two uh, extension cords and bringing them together. And it, it sparks explode right when that that moment it hits that they see things don't have to be the way they are. We don't have to embrace the suck, embrace the status quo. We can, in fact, start to say, why are things the way they are? Why, Anthony, why are there's so few hospitals. And if you can ask that question and get them to start genuinely digging into the, the you know, the, into the, the data banks of their mind, like, yeah, why are there so few hospitals? Right. And if all of a sudden we have some answers and then we can say, and here we can make it better. What are we doing? Why, why aren't, <laughs> why are we doing this? It's, it's Peter Griffin in family guy when he goes in for the stem cell and he comes out. Why aren't we funding this? Why aren't we libertarians? We need to make sure that we're doing the things that work. So when you're talking to people, Anthony, what's working? What are people saying? Is, is it the be free? Are they saying, give me freedom? Or are there other things that they're, they're seeing more in their, you know, their, their specific, I guess, lived experiences? What's happening in their families? What's happening in their, their relationships? Has things gotten weirder under, under COVID? Is that the conversations you're hearing? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you make a lot of important points there. But the main thing that I think is important as activists is understanding, like you said, that it's not necessarily our issue that's important when we're in a conversation, right? It's it's what their issue is. Now, the good news is, is for libertarians, we take issue with pretty much everything. <laughs> so that makes these conversations easy if we allow them to happen. And what I mean by that is ask questions, right? You it, Identify who you're talking to, get to know them even if just briefly in 10 or 15 seconds at a, at a start of a conversation, but give them an opportunity to tell you their story, whatever it is, right? I've yet to find somebody that loves everything that government does, right? And, and while many of these folks will inherently want different solutions off the bat from what you or I might want, uh, we have to give them an opportunity to tell us what is, you know, they're most frustrated about. Um, and then when you do that, that opens the door. And of course, every door that's open sometimes isn't going to ultimately stay open, right? And, and you're just not going to be able to reach somebody on a given day. Um, but you're going to have a heck of a lot of a better chance to do that if you're if you're addressing something that is important to them. And then if you can provide a solution to them that makes their life better. It's really that simple. Um, you know, increasing the number of hospital beds right now would make people less scared that they would die if they got sick, whether it be from COVID or another ailment that has them go into the doctor's office, right? If they would be less scared of uh, a medical illness if they didn't think it was going to bankrupt them, right? And we can talk about the things that reduce the cost of healthcare uh, until we're blue in the face. And that comes easy to libertarians. Um, so these are real issues that are affecting people today. And Republicans and Democrats literally have nothing to offer on these topics. How do we know that? Because every single year we hear the same thing over and over. We, hate <laughs> we sure do. Right? We hate Obamacare or we want Medicare for all and then nothing gets done. So, um, you know, but, you know, traveling across the country has has really shown me um, that a, a couple of things. It's confirmed that 
everybody's diverse, right? That, that's something that liberals will talk about. That throw it down, uh, throw it around as a buzzword. Um, but libertarians kind of embrace that in, in our in our culture um, and, and who we are as individuals. Um, and seeing it as I've traveled all over the country, it's really hammered that home to me that you know this country really is special. Um, there's a lot of different people and different ideologies and different you know ways to um, to live life. Um, and, and our peaceful solutions are the only one that ones that really truly allow for that. Uh, to bring prosperity. Um, and when I talk to people about that and I'm providing them solutions um, that are going to actually help them accomplish it, um, they might not be libertarian, you know, right off the bat, but we're building a trust, right? We're building a rapport that even if they disagree with me on the topic, they're probably not going to hate me. Um, you know, especially when it's a one-on-one conversation or a coffee shop meeting or, you know, uh, you know, something of that nature, a little different on social media. Um, everybody hates everybody on the internet. <laughs> so, um, but it's, it's been a lot of fun having those conversations and it's, it's truly, I think, bringing people into this movement. When I ran for office, um, you know, my campaign kickoff party, we had over a hundred people show up for a libertarian kickoff party. And the vast majority of those people were not libertarians. Um, they were a lot of um, liberty curious Republicans and independents and a, a handful of, of Democrats that had been listening to me for years. And while they might not agree with me on everything, they trusted me and they trusted me because even when we disagreed, they never saw me as hypocritical. Um, they saw me as consistent in ideology and they trusted that. And they also believe in things like, you know, to, you know, the two party system is bad, right? So even if this Anthony isn't perfect, you know, he's, he's part of the solution or, um, you know, we shouldn't have career politicians and maybe term limits could help things or, you know, maybe, um, you know, ranked choice voting would be good, right? Things of that nature. And, and, you know, or that maybe politicians, you know, should be transparent and, you know, be held accountable to at very minimum what they say, right? Um, so we built trust with people over years. And I think that's what helped make me successful. Um, and that's what we're doing on the tour now. Um, is kind of amplifying that process, but also trying to teach it to other libertarians um, so that this movement can, you know, push back and instead of playing defense. I'm sick and tired of playing defense um, here against the statism and the, and, and the government authoritarianism that we're seeing. So I want to help empower this movement to not only draw a line in the sand, but to actively start pushing back against the bully in the room. They trusted me. I wrote that down and I put like six stars next to it because everybody who listens to the sales and marketing shows have heard me say it at least once. People do business with who? People they know, people they yeah. like, and people they trust. Yeah. It's so fundamental that we do not enter into the conversation once every four years. And I'm sorry, LP candidates. Up to this point, that's what we are. We are the candidate who shows up when it's time, not the candidates who are there and constantly building that sense that not only can I trust you, but now I can look at you as the trusted advisor. I can I can yeah. admit there are things I don't know as the citizen, right? We'll actually go back to like, I forget the specific gentleman uh, in, in history, but it, it was the, the Politico, where the term Politico actually came from. And it was that the balancing of do I do what I'm supposed to do based on what my constituents voted on for me to do, or do I go in and say, 
you're electing me to do a job and I'm going to use my, inf my, my, my best judgment. And he was able to kind of marry those two words. And again, whoever it is, please help me out get the guy's name. <laughs> but that was, that was the, the first or origination of the word. And I think right now we can almost take that and apply it to what people are looking for again in politics. They are looking for a sense that the person they're talking to is a genuine, authentic, real human being who they can then say, I can look at you to say, Anthony, I don't know everything. I don't know the answers to healthcare. I don't know the answers to economics, but I know that you study this stuff a lot and you dig into this stuff a lot. So I'm going to vote for you to take this off my hands right now. Th this is an entire separate conversation because we've now conditioned that this is the mentality of I give this person the ability to basically control my life, but rather our message is listen. I know that you don't know everything about economics. I know you don't everything about healthcare. However, I don't either. And candidly, everybody else up here in Washington, they don't know anything either. You know who knows the best about healthcare? Your doctor. You know who knows the best about your economics? You, when you go out and you purchase things and you go to stores based on what you like. You know who knows the most about your your you know, your your environment? You do because you live there. You see your environment every single day. So if we can start to to channel the conversation not towards what can we do for you, but rather what can we help you do for yourself, right? Based on the resources and the the really it's a think bank of people out there, uh, just concert a think bank uh, a, a a brain trust. There we go of people out there who you can leverage that have all the answers, but then to assume that we can take all those people in the infinite variables of things that they bring to the table and concisely and effectively put that in government and then to say, and they're going to do it right forever with no human, you know, human instinct or behavior coming into the equation whatsoever. And it just, it does kind of baffle me because we can say it. I see you smiling. We, we can laugh about it. But like your average person, they vote for consistently. So, and that's the challenge, right? So Anthony, this is why what you're doing is so important. I keep on going back to that. Like the going out and speaking to your average person. It is so important because if you're able to help reframe the conversation, and I always say this, we need to stop responding to the narrative. We need to start setting the narratives. And, and that starts with having the people who right now, they're looking for the solutions. And part of the reason they're looking for solutions is back to the entire thing I started this tirade on trust, right? They have lost the trust of the institutions that told them that they were going to do the thing that they were empowered to do. The FDA failed in terms of getting testing out. The CDC has failed in terms of giving accurate information to the American public. The NIH director has failed in his ability to maintain some type of a consistent narrative. So people across the board are looking at these people who make way more money than they do because they're the experts. And they're saying, sorry, I don't trust you. Now it's on us to help enter into that conversation and show we can become that trusted advisor. Am I on the right path, Anthony? Yeah, and, and I think trusted advisor is such a great word, right? When And I think it's why it's important to be credible as possible when it comes to having these conversations. And and what I mean by that is, is, is have a breadth of knowledge that's um, 
got some backing to it. So f- for example, just be studied in what you're talking about. And, and many libertarians are, of course. So I, I don't think we have that big of a problem here, but um, at times though, as, as candidates, it, how should I put this? Um, actually, let me, let me re- rephrase what I was going to say that when I ran for state insurance commissioner, I picked state insurance commissioner for a reason. I picked it for a handful of reasons, but one of them was the fact that I'm actually a licensed insurance agent, or at least I was at the time. So I knew it instantly lended credibility to my campaign um, because I've been doing that specific job as a profession for 10 years in the industry. Um, it it really helped elevate um, a, a level of trust that people had right off the bat. Um, and at the same time, it allowed me to point out some of the flaws in government that like usually most people in office don't have a clue what they're talking about. Right. The, the guy that, it, you know, owns a restaurant, right, ha- has, you know, a, an idea of, of how to run a restaurant. Um, and he's talking about, you know, banning guns as if he has any idea about self-defense, if he's never taken a self-defense class or shot a gun. Right. Or, you know, and that extrapolates over a number of, of positions. So it's important when you're running for office or when you're talking to people to talk about things you're credible in, if at all possible. So study your things, make sure you have well thought out ideas and solutions. And if you do it consistently over time, um, people will begin to trust you, even if they don't initially. Um, I've got so many people, you know, years ago when I was speaking out here in Washington um, about you know, medical freedom, how um, government was putting children on registries, you know, for their vaccines to attend schools and then taking away medical exemptions like the personal exemption, you know, for, let's say, the chickenpox vaccine. So now you only have a religious exemption or how they even took away the religious exemption for some vaccines. Right. And and, um, you know, even how the government, um, you know, forces uh, military veterans to get vaccinated. Right. And now as all this stuff is happening and the hospitals are overfilling, right, people are seeing the things um, that we've been talking about for years. And what helps set us sets us aside in this case from the Republicans who pander about free markets or cheaper health care costs or more freedom or liberty. Um, most of them have aided and abetted every single department that's being used right now. Right. Republicans don't support abolishing the CDC. They've empowered the CDC. They fund the CDC, right? The the Republicans don't care about the immunity that the vaccine manufacturers have and if and when they injure somebody with one of their vaccines. They have had many opportunities to abolish that law and have never even taken an opportunity at it. Um, libertarians right now have an opportunity to outshine all other politicians by saying this lever of power that is being used to hurt you in a tangible way in your life that you can actually see because you've been put out of your job for the last year should be abolished so that it never hurts anybody again. And anything good that you think that department was doing, I'm happy to help you You know, find ways to do that in the free market. You want safe medication, I want safe medication, right? We can do that without empowering government to take the lives of people um, one job at a time. <laughs> so standing on principle firmly right now, stronger than ever, I think is what lets us stand out from the hypocrisy that we see from the left and the right. And while we might think many people 
are misguided in their in their policy ideas. Um, the reality is, is most of them just haven't been shown a, a, a better alternative. Yeah, you know? well, so this, this is our opportunity. I was going to say that, but also that they haven't seen that our ideas, even if they are right and they agree, can actually <clears throat> have a chance to get implemented. That's the challenge I think we have sometimes is showing and we go, yeah, yeah, we're going to go back. Jeremy Todd's listening right now. He's giving me a thumbs up because when people are looking to make the investment, right, they want to make sure that the time that they're going to put into it, plus the the reward and the results, right? They, they're, if they're not going to get results, why am I wasting my time? So when you talk to your, your average person, we can almost all get them to agree on a lot of the issues. But then when they go to the ballot box, they do something silly. And, and we, we constantly are, are bashing our head against the wall because instead of saying, maybe it's us, we, we instead just pretend that, oh, you know, next time, next time they'll vote libertarian. Well, what we have to do is instead show we can win. This is why what, you know, Spike was doing and he still is doing the culture of winning. It's so important because if we can not only show that our ideas are important and that they're right and win the battle place of ideas, but instead they can also win in the battle place of politics and actually make a difference. Well, now you have my attention. I mean, there's a reason that all these stand-up comedians for the past, you know, I'd say 30, 40 years up until it didn't become popular to go against the president. And then also they did again. Um, they were all weary of, of authority and everybody would laugh along with it. George Carlin made his career basically yeah. just destroying the government and, and everybody would resoundingly clap and laugh along with him because even though they would go and vote different ways, they all believed it at their core. Well, right now it's a chance for us to get those people to laugh along with us to the ballot box. So yeah. with that being said, Anthony Welty, what a conversation. I really enjoyed this, my friend. I have uh, at the bottom of the screen here on the YouTube folks can go ahead and see that uh, your social media is scrolling across. But uh, for the, the audio listener, where can they go ahead and find you? Yeah, um, the road to liberty dot com is the best way to stay in touch with me. This is a website I'm used to track the tour where as we go from Washington to Florida, we're hosting uh, political rallies, medical freedom rallies. Uh, speaking out against the lockdowns and, and providing coaching and trainings to libertarians all over the country. Um, so that's where you can follow the tour. Uh, we've also got a blog on there. Uh, I'm trying to get off of Twitter and Facebook, or rather they're trying to get me off of their <laughs> platform. So um, I'm trying to build a little bit of my own as a way to stay in touch with people. And we've actually got some forums on there that are just getting going. These are a place for libertarians to go and have conversation with other libertarians. It's not meant to be a, a public facing um, you know, forum of any, uh, of any nature per se. It, it's meant for candidates to connect with other candidates, to share, share resources and supplies, um, for volunteers to say, Hey, I'm good at doing X, Y, Z who needs help this week. Um, there's also a forum on there for county affiliates. So county chairs across the country can stay connected with one another and ask questions on best practices and, and express, you know, frustrations, uh, with, you know, what's work, you know, with, with what's going on in government, what's not working in their chapters. Um, and things of that nature, because m my focus right now is helping make this party more successful. There's we, we've all heard or, or maybe even at times used the phrase, you know, this is why libertarians can't win. And there's a lot of reasons. And I think in many cases, those complaints are reasonable and right. So a lot of what I've done as an activist since I came in in 2016 with the Gary Johnson campaign is try to fill the holes, just help with what we are doing bad at and help to and to really just try to fix it right it's easy to say this is why you can't win um and then to do nothing about it um it's why i focus so much on running a credible campaign in washington so that people could begin to trust the libertarian brand 
Um, while I didn't win, we created 250,000 first time libertarian voters in my election. Wow. Um, 324,000 total, um, compared to 99,000 the cycle before. And now those people, um, are beginning to trust libertarians, right? And one of the things that you said, you know, we have to win. So they believe that it's not a waste to vote, things of that nature. The So many people saw me as the clear, only reasonable option to vote for. Um, that when I didn't win, it gut checked them for the first time in their life. They'd never seen uh, an election where uh, I'm essentially running from two people that both have mental illnesses, um, and I lost. And, and, and I don't say that phrase to be uh, hyperbolic. They, they are both ill. Um, and I didn't attack it in my campaign. I actually ignored it because I didn't, it wasn't important. Um, but my followers knew it. And when we lost, they, they saw the failure of the political system. So there, there are many ways to win in elections, even if you don't actually get elected. Um, so I'm traveling the country trying to share that message and teach people how to identify measurable wins. Uh, make intent-driven action plans and goals um, so that in time we can see liberty in our, you know, in our lives. Man, wouldn't that be nice? And just the way things are going, isn't it so important that we're doing what we're doing? Anthony Welty, thank you so much for joining us, folks. If you want to go ahead and continue the conversation, I, don't worry, you're not going to have to go ahead and follow all social media just by by listening. Go ahead to your show notes. Click the uh, the artwork there in your podcast catch. It'll bring you right to the Brian Nichols Show website where you can find not only the awesome notes for the episode, but also entire transcript for today's show, as well as all of Anthony's social media links. Anthony Welty, be free, my friend. Thanks for joining the Brian Nichols Show. I'll see y'all on the tour. Bye. Trust the experts. We're all in this together. If it saves one life, raise your hand if you heard any of those tiresome phrases over the past year and a half. I know my hand is currently raised. Millions of people across dozens of industries were labeled unessential and forced to lock down with livelihoods and futures crushed in an instant. And as government has continued to expand its power and leverage fear to turn neighbor against neighbor, a group of filmmakers have taken a stand and are determined to help set the record straight on the importance of following the actual science of the pandemic. Follow the Science on Lockdowns and Liberty from the Sound Mind Creative Group is a brand new docu-series highlighting the stories of those negatively impacted over the past year and a half by ineffective government policies enacted in the name of following the science. With noted experts like Nick Hudson from Panda, the Pandemic Data and Analytics Organization, healthcare policy advisors like Scott Atlas, and telling the stories of business owners, families, and just your average everyday person harmed by these government mandates. Follow the Science on Lockdowns and Liberty is giving us a chance to make sure the true stories of the pandemic are told. So please help us at The Brian Nichols Show in supporting the Sound Mind Creative Group. With noted figures in the Liberty Movement like Dr. Tom Woods donating thousands of their own dollars to this project, you know just how important this project is. So head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash follow the science to donate and catch their brand new trailer to the docuseries one more time. That's briannicholsshow.com forward slash follow the science. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up our conversation with Anthony Welty. If you enjoyed the episode, please do me a solid. Make sure you go ahead and give Anthony a tag. And when you do, uh, that is when you share, of course, make sure you go ahead and tag uh, yours truly, of course, as well at B Nichols Liberty. Uh, coming up here tomorrow, we're going to have another one of our solo shorts. It might be with Chris Goizeta. It might be with me. I don't know yet. We're working on some scheduling here because... 
I know we've said it once and I'll say it again. Chris is busy because he is a professor of of marketing in college like this. This is something we have to work through, folks. So please bear with us. But either way, you'll be having uh, one of our solo shorts. I might even give you a sneak peek in terms of one of our morning sales huddles. So make sure you hit that subscribe button so you're not missing a single episode. But with that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Anthony Welty. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe. Want to help us reach more people? Give the show a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Find us at briannicholsshow.com and download the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on social media at bnicholsliberty and consider donating to the show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support. The Brian Nichols Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Laura Stanley, Michael Lima, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network.